This is the Talk of Fame Network, featuring Hall of Fame voters Ron Borges from the Boston Herald, Rick Gosselin of the Dallas Morning News, and your Hall of Fame host, Clark Judge. And now, let the debates begin. Who is a Hall of Famer? Will they be enshrined in Canton? Do they have the numbers to get in? Let the experts who make the decision tell you who will be signing their name with HOF next to it. And now, it's the Talk of Fame Network. Well, first, before we get started, I'd like to give you a programming alert. Rick Gosselin, a.k.a. Dr. Data, is taking his act on the road. Ronnie, I think he's in Oxnard with the Cowboys, so Indeed. I hope he stays clear of Des Bryant. I don't want to see him get in a fight. I wouldn't trust him with Des Bryant unless you were alongside him, but anyway, <laughs> he's not available today, which means, yep, you've got Ron and Clark and a slew of guests for the next two hours. We have Gino Capaletti and Hall of Famer Lance Allworth for the third in our Out of Their League series with today's emphasis on the AFL. Great league. Yeah, it is a great league. It was a great league. We also have Hall of Fame voters Jeff Legwald, John Clayton, both of ESPN, to fill us in on some Hall of Fame details. And we have AFL historian Todd Tobias. You're going to want to hear him. Help us with the best AFLers not in Canton. We also have an argument for former Jacksonville tackle Tony Baselli make it to Canton as well as Ron weighing in on preseason not exhibition Ron not exhibition <laughs> I don't want to get fined for this preseason games in his weekly Borges or Bogus but first let's get to news and Ron start with the Hall of Famer Chris Carter what in the world was he thinking when he spoke at that rookie symposium last year <laughs> Well, obviously, he wasn't uh, <laughs> thinking. You know, in his defense, if you've ever seen him speak, you know, he's like a fiery, uh, fire and brimstone preacher. He can really get it going. Uh, he was in the moment. If you watched the, the uh, tape of it all, he was rolling pretty good and obviously made some suggestions on uh, how players should, uh, rookie players should handle themselves, in, in essence, make sure they have a fall guy in their crew in case, <laughs> in case they get in trouble. So, uh, uh, you know, he sets apologize for that and you know it's not it's not funny obviously and it was upsetting to some of the players that were there but in his defense I think he just got rolling and and lost himself well more importantly Ron I asked you what he was thinking what was the NFL thinking I mean put the video up on its website and it stayed there for what a year or so I mean yeah the only reporter present I know you and I've talked about this was a guy named Robert Klemko and it told him it wanted to keep it off the record and so he agreed then it put it up on its website. I mean, well, if Plexico right. Burris knows it's wrong, why didn't the NFL? <laughs> well, I think, you know, uh, Clark, as we've seen many times here lately with the NFL, the right hand doesn't know what the left hand uh, is doing. They've become an organization too big and unwieldy to be properly managed, it appears. If one's going to tell a reporter not to report something, and that reporter, amazingly to me, agrees right. uh, after the fact, the boot, uh, then Logic presumes you'd tell your people at the website the same thing. Except, when's the last time Logic prevailed in the, uh, you know, in the NFL offices? Basically, they don't communicate. You know, right. the, the, right. one office is in L.A., the other office is in New York, and they function like Pluto and Saturn. <laughs> don't tell me you're turning on your man, Roger Goodell. Come on. <laughs> yeah, we a friend of the show. Friend of the show. <laughs> well, listen, the NFL should have known it was in for trouble because it had Carter share the stage with Warren Sapp, and don't get me started on it. But, oh Ronnie, if you're the league or if you're ESPN, what do you do with Carter? Anything? I wouldn't do anything. Look, I mean, he, he said what he said. Uh, he's apologized for it. The NFL used him again this year at the Rookie Symposium. Obviously, they weren't as bothered by it as they claimed. Uh, same is true of ESPN. It was only after it got out there in the public. 
through Chris Borland, the retired 49er linebacker, uh, who was bothered by it uh, at the time because he was in the crowd. Uh, you know, only then did suddenly everybody get up in arms. So, you right. know, this is to me as usual ESPN slash NFL puffery. You know, we are upset. We are surprised. Right. Gambling? Right. There is gambling here? You know, I mean, that's that's what it's all about. I mean, come on. Yeah, they got people talking about him, which is what they want. Right, exactly. Okay, uh, so let's touch on something more current. We've got about a minute left. Like the quarterback situations in Washington, Houston, and Buffalo. Who's got it worse and why? Well, two of three, in my opinion, have no quarterback at all. So Houston certainly has it best. You know, at least Brian Hoyer is 10-7 and seven as an NFL starter. Uh, Washington is a mess. People there are sick and tired of RG3, even though in this last outing, I thought it was more about his offensive line than it was about him. But the Redskins have to make a tough decision. They got an over $16 million team option that they can exercise in 2016. Uh, but do they want to do it? And I, I think they don't really know. Uh, as for the Bills, well, look, they haven't had a quarterback since Jim Kelly retired, so nothing new there. All right. Well, let's not forget about Cleveland and the Jets, Ronnie. They're playing with backups. Who's got it worse right. there? Well, let's forget about the Jets. You're the only person who cares about the Jets. Uh, as for the Browns, uh, you know, the, the Browns' long-term future rises and falls with Johnny Menzel's sore, sore elbow. Josh McCown yeah. is on his seventh NFL team. He is not a guy you hang your hat on. Okay. Well, I hang my head on commercials, Ron. That's where we're going. When we return, yes, we'll sir. be talking to one of the greatest Patriots of all time. No, not Paul Revere or Mark Lindsay, but Gino Capaletti. This is the Talk of Fame Network. Talk of Fame Network is brought to you by Advanced Auto Parts and CarQuest. Great products, great people, and great prices. The two-for-five-dollar deal at Burger King just got hotter. That's right. We just spiced it up with the new extra-long jalapeno cheeseburger. Feel the flame with two all-beef patties side-by-side stacked with fiery jalapenos. They're like little green firecrackers exploding in your mouth. Oh, yeah. Did we mention you can get two sandwiches at Burger King for just five bucks? But if that's too much fire for one mouth, you can mix and match with the Big King, Big Fish, or Original Chicken Sandwich. Only at Burger King. Limited time only. Price of participation may vary. Price is higher in Alaska and Hawaii. Last Friday, Allison Cohn made her status FBF to a pic of me as a pipsqueak. Awkward. It got 59 likes and 12 comments. Impressive, Allie. Geico also has a comment on your flashback Friday. Did you know Geico has been saving people money on car insurance for over 75 years? Bet you didn't even know they made cars back then. And if you think your flashback is awkward, you should see our pic. Hashtag blurry. Hashtag over 75 years of savings. GEICO. 15 minutes could save you 15% or more on car insurance. This is Lori Grenier. You've seen me on Shark Tank hearing pitches from small businesses. Now there is a new way for small businesses to get a loan in minutes. It's called Cabbage. That's Cabbage with a K. Just fill out the application online. You'll get an instant decision and could have access to a line of credit of up to $100,000. No waiting, no hassle. Cabbage is A-plus rated by the Better Business Bureau and is a Forbes Top 100 company. Go to cabbage.com, that's cabbage with a K, K-A-B-B-A-G-E, or call 888-CABBAGE. Hi, Tom Bodette. What's with the names celebrities are giving their kids? Where I come from, people aren't named after fruit or directions. Well, at least there's one name you can't go wrong with, Motel 6. Not as a kid's name, but where you can get a clean, comfortable room for the lowest price of any national chain. It'll save you a few bucks now and lots of therapy later. I'm formerly Kumquat South, now Tom Bodette for Motel 6, and we'll leave the light on for you. Book online at motel6.com. Now, back to the Talk of Fame Network with Ron Borges. Cannot play with him. Rick Gosselin. Cannot win with him. And Clark Judge. Cannot coach with him. Can't do it. I won't win it. Thank you, Ray. Peace. 
Talk of Fame is brought to you by MyCleanPC. If your computer's running slowly, log on to MyCleanPC.com for a free diagnosis. And within minutes, you can download software that can fix the problem. That's MyCleanPC.com. And they want winners? Next guest is a winner. He arrived in pro football through a circuitous route, much like many AFL players. But when he got there, he made his mark with the then Boston Patriots. Gino Capaletti is one of only 20 players to have played all 10 years of the AFL's existence and one of only three along with Jim Otto and George Belanda of Ron's Oakland Raiders, to never miss a game. On September 9th, 1960, Geno's 37-yard field goal was the first points scored in an AFL game, and they were far from his last. In fact, Geno was the AFL's all-time leading scorer with 1,130 points, including 42 touchdowns. He was a five-time All-AFL selection, league's MVP in 1964, and he finished his AFL career among the top 10 receivers in league history in yardage and receptions. But that's not all. He would later serve for 28 years as the color commentator for Patriot Radio Broadcast. In fact, our producer, Derek Burns, grew up listening to Gino, and then Gino retired in 2012, having done 585 regular season games and six Super Bowls. Gino Capaletti, it's a privilege to welcome you to the show. Oh, thank you. Nice way to be on. Uh, I want to just allude to that first field goal. Thank the heavens that I hit it because if I, if with Lou Saban, if you missed, you might try somebody else, and I may not be here talking to you. But <laughs> we're well, glad you are here. <laughs> well, Gino, my understanding is you were tending bar at your brother's bar in, in Minneapolis. Uh, yep. And playing some flag football, of all things, when one of your former University of Minnesota teammates, Bob McNamara, gave you Lou Saban's number and suggested yep. you get, you give him a call. I'm just wondering, how long did it take you to make the call, and, and was it difficult to do? Well, it was because I had just uh, done a two-year stint in the Army, and I was at Fort Sill, Oklahoma, for two years, uh, in between my uh, college days and also, thank God for the AFL, my pro football days. So uh, at that point, uh, I would have to say that uh, I just uh, wanted to play so bad, so desperately, when they were talking about a new league. And uh, Bob McNamara was uh, hooked up with my brother while I was in the Army, and they had a nice little bar. And uh, I came out, and I was just tending bar. And uh, a lot of talk was being taking place. Uh, about the new league. A new league is starting. And, uh, of course, uh, Bob had uh, an entree there, along with uh, Bud Grant and people like that. And uh, I, being away for a while, they may have forgotten about me. So anyway, I uh, talked to Bob when he got back uh, from a meeting with uh, Saban, and um, I uh, talked to him about it. And he said, uh, geez, I couldn't uh, really get to talk to him because it was everything helter-skelter at the hotel there in uh, Minneapolis. And he says, but I did get his home phone number, uh, Gino. And uh, so I got the phone number, and uh, I held on to it. I held on to it. My palm was getting sweaty, and it was, <laughs> ink was going to maybe disappear. So I finally picked up the phone, and I talked to uh, Lou Saban. He was at Illinois, Northern Illinois, I think, uh, was his last coaching job before he went to the Patriots. And um, I told him, I said, uh, uh, I said, I don't have a, an illustrious career to tell you about, but I love the game of football, and I think I can 
play the game of football. And uh, he says, well, uh, I'll tell you what. He says, you just sit there and uh, I'll get back to you and uh, we'll see what we can do. And bang, he hung up. So I said, that was it. A month goes by. I haven't heard a word. I said, well, that must be, uh, you know, the omen uh, that uh, it's just uh, not going to, it doesn't meant, wasn't meant to be. And uh, just desperately wanted to play. And, of course, uh, things were a little mumble-jumble then at that time, too, with the leagues and then the players and the drafts and all that taking place. A lot of the things uh, were just experiments. I finally got home one night, and the phone rang, and I picked it up, not having a dream at all that it might be Lou. And sure enough, Lou Saban gets on the phone. He says, Capaletti? And I says, yeah. He says, well, he says, I'll tell you what. I got a personal contract for you and uh, 7500 He says, and uh, we're going to bring you in and take a look at you, and we'll see what happens. And I just I hung up. I forgot what he said about monies, and I didn't give a damn. You know what I mean? 7500 for the year. And I told him, I said that I thought I could be as a player on both sides of the ball. And uh, so he's all, I'll tend to that. So anyway, it all worked out, I guess. It did work out. We're speaking with Gino Capaletti, former Patriots star. And Gino, I want to ask you about the contract. Uh, are you telling me that really you didn't think that much about the money when Saban offered you 7500 Absolutely not. I just couldn't wait to get there. And I guess that was, uh, you know, part of football in the 40s and the 50s and then starting in the 60s. But, you know, it was like, uh, well, I was playing when I was tanning bar in the Minnesota-Minneapolis Park Board League, and that was uh, flag football. And uh, so Bob and I were playing, but Bob was going up to Canada. Uh, I played at Winnipeg. So that was the all of the football that I had in that year, which was... 1959. You you played in the AFL's first game uh, uh, on a Friday night at Nickerson Field at Boston University against the Broncos. Uh, there was no TV, I know, because I was a little kid there and, and you know anxious to see these Boston Patriots. Couldn't find you. Uh, there was a crowd, I think, of less than 22,000. But I'm wondering for you, what was more memorable than the AFL's first game? Was it the, was it just playing in that first game, or was it those Broncos vertical socks? were just about the ugliest things ever. Well, we didn't care much about the Sox, but then that was their dilemma. But uh, <laughs> the game was important, and no question about it. We had played Denver in an exhibition game, and I think we played it in uh, Worcester or someplace like that because they, they were primping and propping with uh, the old Braves field trying to make a football field out of it. And they did a great job, I thought, once we got on the uh, turf. But uh, we played Denver. No, it was in Rhode Island, Providence, yeah. And uh, we beat them 46-3 to on a preseason game. Frank Filchuk was the uh, coach. Trapuca was the quarterback. And uh, there were a lot of other names that uh, popped up at that time. So I guess we went into that game just way too confident about playing that game at Braves Field. And uh, sure enough... Uh, we uh, took it on the chin. They upset us, and uh, Saban was just, uh, I mean, he couldn't fathom us losing that first home game. And so he really started pumping away at practice for all of us. And uh, they uh, 
60 season was a make-or-break year for a lot of players. We're talking with former Boston Patriots star Gino Capaletti. And Gino, I'm going to warn you here, we have Lance Allworth on later in the show. So I'm going to ask you about that 1963 San Diego Chargers team that Lance was on. You played for the AFL title in Balboa Stadium and, of course, lost 51-10 to with Keith Lincoln combining for 332 yards from scrimmage. What happened? You know, I forgot about that game. <laughs> I bet you I did. did. You know, I was a little kid. I waited all day for that game, and then, boom, it was over in five minutes. <laughs> oh, boy. I'll tell you, that was something. You made a nice diving catch in that game. I do remember that from Babe Perilli. Didn't help, but it was a nice catch. <laughs> yeah. I had to die for all the catches I made. But uh, that was a uh, following um, playoff game with Buffalo. And uh, we won that game at their home field, 26-8. to And uh, that allowed us to play uh, San Diego Chargers. And we were going to play them by winning at Buffalo January 5th of 64. And um, it was a debacle, I'll tell you. uh, (laughs) Not for San Diego. (laughs) The uh, Chargers were really a good team at that uh, particular point. And... There was some talk about trying to get them to play the Chicago Bears, who uh, were the champions of the NFL, I believe. And uh, that uh, I, I would have thought that San Diego had uh, some speed that could really benefit them and uh, make a game out of it. So, uh, lo and behold, the 63 year, of course, a season, uh, of course, is uh, when. Uh, uh, John F. Kennedy was uh, killed, and that uh, was on 11-24-63. The game was postponed, and then we played uh, Buffalo at uh, on the playoff game. I just wanted to ask you about one other game. You played in a game against the Dallas Texans. You probably know where I'm going here. Famous game. I believe it was in the first season. Texans are driving for to, to win the game right at the end. Chris Burford runs a slant pattern, and out of the back of the end zone comes a guy in a cocky jacket who knocks the ball down. The officials never see it. You guys win the game on the last play. Everybody runs off the field, and Hank Stram is, is in a tizzy. Do you remember that game, and did you know when it first happened that some guy had run out of the back of the end zone and knocked the ball down? No. Oh, no, I didn't uh, at the time. But we saw it on film. That was uh, We played the uh, Dallas Texans at uh, Braves Field, and uh, the score, we were ahead 28-21. And uh, they got to the one-yard line, and it looked like it was, you know, very possibly going to be an overtime game or what have you. But here is the pictures where a player, all the the crowd, whether it was a, a big crowd or not, doesn't matter. But people came running out on the field because when they looked at the clock, it was almost like uh, one second left. And then uh, everybody tried to just push over the officials and say the game is over. And so they had to clear the field. And by clearing the field, they pushed the crowd back on the sidelines. And then the people in the end zone, they had to go and push them back and be out of the end zone. In the back of the end zone now is where they were lined up. So all the fans in the stadium were lined up on the field all around the uh, field. And sure enough, here comes this guy. I forget the, the quarterback's name for... Yeah, Cotton Dallas. Davidson. Cotton Davidson. Cotton, yeah. Cotton Davidson, yep. And what happened was he was looking for his receiver, 
uh, who escapes me now, the name. Yeah, Chris Burford. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was Chris Burford. It. yeah, and he yep. was open. He was open. And here's this guy that comes, and he cuts right in front of him, and he gives it the wand, you know, the wand <laughs> with two arms right. in front of him. And then he just circles right back into the crowd. <laughs> and it was incredible. <laughs> We're very close to going to commercial, so unfortunately we got to run, but... Thank you so much for joining us, and thanks for the memories. Okay. Thanks, Gino. Appreciate it. That was former Patriot star Gino Capaletti. When we return, we'll talk more AFL with league historian Todd Tobias. You're listening to the Talk of Fame Network. Baseball fans, be the MVP at Luxor Las Vegas. Get your lux on at all-star shows, including Fantasy, the strip's sexiest adult review. Chris Angel Believe from Cirque du Soleil. Carrot Top and Jabberwockies. Hit a home run with Mexican flavors that rock from TNT Tacos and Tequila or cool brews and comfort food at Public House. LAX Nightclub helps you make all the right plays with the hottest dance music from resident DJ and live entertainment in a high-energy atmosphere. To capture the biggest plays of the season, visit Luxor.com. I don't like sit-down dinners. I don't go to sit-down strikes. I like standing room only, and I don't ride bikes. This Pretty Bad song is by a guy with pretty bad hemorrhoids. He needs Preparation H relief with the power of two. First, use fast-acting Preparation H medicated wipes, then longer-lasting Preparation H maximum strength cream. Let's sit together on the porch swing. Preparation H. Don't stand for hemorrhoids. Use is directed. And try specially formulated medicated wipes for women. Would you like a cleaning product that can be used in the garage, the laundry, and the kitchen, and save space in your cabinet? Hi, I'm Bruce Fabrizio, inventor of Simple Green. Concentrated all-purpose Simple Green is the answer for versatile cleaning throughout your home and garage. I'm so certain you'll love Simple Green. If you're not 100% satisfied, I'll give you your money back. To learn more, visit us at simplegreen.com. Simple Green, Simple Green. Not all barbecues are the same. Not all guitar licks are the same. Not all motor oils are the same either. Valvoline Full Synthetic High Mileage with Max Life Technology actually is different. It's the superior protection of synthetic for cars over 75,000 miles. But don't just believe us. See for yourself at seeadifference.com. Valvoline, 140 years under the hood. Now, back to the Talk of Fame Network with Ron Borges, Rick Goslin, and Clark Judge. Just a reminder, the Talk of Fame Network is brought to you each week by GEICO. That's GEICO Insurance, where 15 minutes can save you 15% or more on car insurance. For more details, go to geico.com. We're also brought to you by MyCleanPC. And if your computer runs slowly, which mine sometimes does, just log on to mycleanpc.com for a free diagnosis. And within minutes, minutes, you can download software to clean up what may be slowing down your computer. Does that sound good? Because it is. For more details, go to MyCleanPC.com. And Ronnie, I'll tell you what else sounds good. Our next guest, uh, we just finished speaking with former Patriot star Gino Capaletti, a Hall of Fame-worthy candidate. And he heard what made uh, the AFL such a wonderful league, a, a league so strong the NFL decided to merge with. So I guess, as uh, Gino said, he didn't want to go. But, you know, if you can't beat him, join him. Right, Ron? That's right. Oh, you're exactly right. Well, I try to. I, be, talk, I tend to beat them myself. But. Okay, well, uh, <laughs> that's what Gino Capoletti wanted. It didn't happen. Yes, but I mentioned Gino. our next guest. 
he knows all about the AFL, and that's because he's Todd Tobias, and while he's too young to have watched the AFL, he studied it closely. So closely, in fact, he's one of the league's premier historians and something you'll understand. The minute you log on to his website, that's talesfromtheamericanfootballleague.com, and it's a good one. Ron, I know you've looked at it, so if I, if you're an AFL fan, you're going to see it. Todd, you're with Clark and Ron, and before we get started, I want to ask you, what drew you to the AFL in the first place when you were really a part of that era? Well, um, it was uh, it was all about grad school, actually. I was in a master's degree program uh, and happened to be working for the sports museum here in San Diego and interning with the Chargers, cleaning up their team photo archive. And it came time to select a subject to write about for my master's thesis. And uh, I was surrounded by all this great Charger history. And so I eventually narrowed the subject down to writing about Sid Gilman. And I uh, went about interviewing probably 20, 25 of Sid's former players, uh, Sid himself on a, a number of occasions, some of the coaches that worked uh, with and against him. And I just, I love of this league came about. And it was, you know, it was certainly some of the stuff that was on the field. I mean, I'm not a, an X's and O's guy per se, but the stuff that I really, really liked was the story of this league kind of spawning out of nothing and fighting for legitimacy with the NFL, ultimately succeeding. The stories of, you know, the, the black players going into the South to play exhibition games and the, the issues that they faced and with the, you know, the all-star game in New Orleans and that being transferred to Houston, and, and there were just so many side stories that really made this league colorful and interesting to me. So that's that's in a nutshell how my interest came about. Well, I'm running, and I uh, thought I have my own sort of theories, and I'd like to hear yours on what you feel was the AFL's most significant uh, moment. Was it their first big television oh. contract? Was it the Namath signing, or was it Super Bowl three? You know, that's so hard to answer. Um... I'm famous for these kind of you know, questions. <laughs> you know, I mean, honestly, I I feel like to a degree, the most important moment may have been when the NFL snubbed Lamar Hunt, you know, because he was trying to buy the Cardinals and, and move them to Texas, and they told him no, and, and all of a sudden, you know, that got his brain cooking, and Lamar obviously had connections with other young, very well-to-do men who had an interest in professional football and once that ball got rolling it was i mean i think those guys were going to make it happen almost regardless of what came down the pike and they had the uh the desire to do it and the means to do it and so i mean you could certainly argue television contracts and and namath was huge super bowl three was was huge super bowl four ending or yeah ending with um you know, parody with the NFL after the first four Super Bowls and going into the merger tied two and two apiece was big as well. So I don't know that, that I can really narrow it down to one one certain thing. There's just there's so much history there, so much uh, just great stuff, great stuff. And we're talking to Todd Tobias, who's got a great website, Tales from the American Football League dot com. If I were voting, and I'm not here because Ryan asked you the question, I'd vote for Super Bowl three for this reason. To me, it mm-hmm. gave that league legitimacy in the eyes of the fan at home, the guy who's watching TV every mm-hmm. Sunday who said, oh, you know what, they can't mm-hmm. play with the NFL. Well, actually, no, they can't. They beat them. But yeah. um, anyway, as I said, 
He asked you. He didn't ask me. That's my two cents, Ron. Um, so, uh, Todd, each week on this show, we have a state your case segment where we make cases, as I'm going to after our next commercial, for someone we believe is deserving of Hall of Fame recognition. So I want to put you on the spot here. Okay. I will give you five free passes, five, for induction okay. to the Hall of Fame for AFL players who are not there. So who okay. are the five that you're going to choose? There's, there's so many, but I, in terms of, of guys that I feel like I shouldn't even have to argue for, Johnny Robinson, Walt Sweeney, Jim Tyre, Gino Capoletti, and oh God, narrowing down the last one is tough, but let's go with John Hadle. Okay. Well, I'm glad you bet you Gino Capoletti. We just had him on here, so perfect, perfect choice. Elaborate, if you would, on Gino, why you think, as you say, that these are guys you shouldn't even have to uh, argue for. Uh, it should just be automatic. Uh, what, in Gino's case, as a, as a guest on today's show, uh, makes you see him as a sort of slam dunk Hall of Famer? Well, if you go by the assumption that the AFL was equally uh, of equal caliber to the NFL, at least by the merger. Then you take Gina, who was the leading scorer in AFL history, was a fantastic receiver, was a fantastic kicker, uh, also could fill in a defensive back. The guy was an all-around talent, and I, I think he's certainly worthy. We're speaking with AFL historian Todd Tobias, whom you can find on his website, Tales of the American Football League.com. And Todd, we're going to speak to Lance Allworth in our second hour. And I know Rick mm -hmm. Goslin, a.k.a. Dr. Data, in absentia, feels so strongly about Lance Allworth that he considers him, not Jerry Rice, as the greatest receiver of all time. So where do you come down on Lance? Greatest of all time? Yeah, you know, I if you take into account what, what Lance did, I mean, you look at his, his raw talent. I mean, he was, he was certainly fast. He had wonderful hands. He had great leaping ability. Uh, you put into it his work ethic. Uh, he was able to, you know, get to a point where he ran fantastic routes. He and John Hadle uh, were, didn't even have to think. Those guys knew each other like the backs of each other's hands. And then, and then take a look at Lance's accomplishments, what he did, which was mind-blowing for the time. And then apply it to today, you know, Lance was, was making these offensive achievements in a time when the passing game was, you know, really just kind of beginning to flourish, you know, especially under Sid Gilman. In addition, he was playing in a time where he was getting absolutely beaten bloody by defensive backs coming off the line each play. And yet he still made these, uh, made these numbers that he, that he put together. And then if you take a look at not only the catches that he made, uh, their acrobatic nature and such, but also what he was able to do with the ball after he caught the ball, the yardage he was able to gain afterwards, the guy was just incredible. I mean, I think Lance, Lance would excel in any era. Uh, I think if you put 25-year-old Lance Lawworth on the field today, he would be an incredible threat. And especially telling defensive backs they weren't allowed to touch him off the line. I mean, I, I'm sure Lance at 75 would drool over that opportunity. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> we'll ask him. Uh, yeah, that's, that's, that's for sure, you know. You mentioned another uh, player, Jim Tyra, who I've always been fascinated by uh, as a young guy watching him play against the Patriots. You know, he was an eight-time All-AFL player, as you know. He was two-time Pro Bowl when he got into the, after the merger. Mm -hmm. 
Uh, and then, of course, the tragic end of his life in 1980, the murder-suicide where sure. he killed his wife and then himself after his uh, business reversals. And these days you wonder about CTE and the concussion issues, and was that a, Absolutely. a, a factor. But how much do you think that ended at that time, his chances of getting in the Hall of Fame? Well, I, I think that that probably cemented things. Um, you know, it's not like they were putting all AFLers into the Hall of Fame in droves prior to that happening. But, and, and Tyra, you know, was a, an offensive lineman that he maybe wasn't as well-known as Ron Mix, uh, who went in almost immediately. So, yeah, when you, when you combine, you know, perhaps some NFL bias, him playing a, a rather unglorious position on the offensive line, and then the way his life ended, I'm sure that that had a great deal to do with it. Hey, Todd, we're in an unglorious position. we got to go. But, hey, thanks for stopping by. <laughs> and if you want to hear more from Todd Tobias, just go to his website, talesfromtheamericanfootballleague.com, and start reading. You're going to be glad you did. Thanks, Todd. Thanks, Todd. Hey, thank you for having me, guys. Coming up, the case for Tony Baselli going to Canton. You're listening to the Talk of Fame Network. In case you missed it, we're brought to you by MyCleanPC. If your computer is running slowly, just go to MyCleanPC.com for a diagnosis. In just minutes, you can activate MyCleanComputer software to clean out what's slowing down your computer. That's MyCleanPC.com. Talk of Fame Network is also brought to you by Geico Insurance, where 15 minutes can save you 15% or more on car insurance. For more details, go to geico.com. Hi, this is Lori Grenier. You've seen me on Shark Tank. I've developed, launched, and marketed over 400 products. Applying for a traditional loan is frustrating. There's paperwork, references, tax forms. You wait weeks for an answer, and you may not get the funds. There's a new way to get funding without the hassle. It's called Cabbage. That's Cabbage with a K. Here's how it works. Go to cabbage.com, fill out the online application. It takes minutes to complete, and you'll get a decision with none of the waiting. You could have immediate access to a line of credit of up to $100,000. No fees of any kind to set up your line, and you don't pay a cent until you take a loan. It's helpful for a business to have security and flexibility. Cabbage is A-plus rated by the Better Business Bureau. It's provided funds to over 50,000 businesses and has been named one of Forbes' top 100 companies twice in a row. So check out Cabbage.com. That's Cabbage with a K, K K-A-B-B-A-G-E, or call 888-CABBAGE, the number one online provider of small business loans. Introducing Centrum Multigummies, a complete new gummy multivitamin bursting with natural fruit flavors and 100% or more of vitamins B12, D, and D. Support the most important parts of you with Centrum Multigummies and see gummies in a whole new light. New at Walmart for a low price every day. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. The 2015 Cupera features plush leather seating that will feel to your hemorrhoids like sitting on lava-hot knitting needles. Not if you step up to relief with the power of two from Preparation H. First, use Preparation H medicated wipes to soothe as they clean. Then, Preparation H maximum strength cream to relieve pain and burning. Now, sink into that rich upholstery. Mmm, luxurious. Preparation H. Don't stand for hemorrhoids. Use as directed. And try specially formulated medicated wipes for women. Now, back to the Talk of Fame Network with Ron Borges, Rick Gosselin, and Hall of Fame host Clark Judge. They are who we thought they were. 
Well, the Talk of Fame is brought to you by MyCleanPC. If your computer runs slowly, just log on to MyCleanPC.com for free diagnosis. And within minutes, you can download software that will clean up what may be slowing down your computer. That's MyCleanPC. And speaking of great people, we have the professor with us today, Ron. I'm talking about ESPN's John Clayton. That's right, a Hall of Fame selector who is joining us from, John, where are you today? Seattle, where are you? I'm in Seattle, yeah. And by the way, we both go back, the the three of us go back so far, I didn't even have my professor title. We go back that far. That's right. right. Well, anyway, we go back to the days when you were in Pittsburgh, not in Seattle, but uh, I've seldom... Back when we barely had jobs, which two of us are still in that position, but not you, John. (laughs) (laughs) I've seldom seen John without a phone attached to his ear, so it's appropriate we're doing a phoner with him. And John Clayton, thanks so much for joining us. My pleasure. Hey, Clady, there's so many stories out there this summer, so I'm going to start one in your backyard, and that's Seattle. When do we see Camp Chancellor in uniform, and who caves first here? You know, honestly, I think there's a small accommodation the team would be willing to do adjusting something because they need him. I mean, he's so important, particularly when you realize the team opens up the season on the road against St. Louis and on the road against Green Bay, and they don't want to get off to an 0-2 start. He's a team captain. He's a very important person in the locker room, and he's a big hitter, and so you want him out there, but the problem is, what adjustment can you make that's going to satisfy him? He's making $7 million a year, probably would like to make 10, and uh, they just can't do that because if they do that next year, instead of having one guy holding out, they'd have four or five guys holding out. Earl Thomas probably would hold out. You know, Michael Bennett would hold out. So it's a real tricky situation, but I do think something will happen that will get him into camp in the next week. And if he gets into the camp in the next week, then he'll be there for the start of the regular season. Well, speaking of the Seahawks, uh, Pete Carroll came out uh, yesterday uh, in defense of protecting running quarterbacks. I was just wondering, uh, you know Pete very well. How come he didn't say any of that when he was a defensive coordinator? He wasn't trying to protect any quarterbacks uh, then. And do you think this is all starting to go too far, uh, John, this whole protection of the quarterback thing? Well, yeah, but you know that's going to continue, and it probably is going to go too far. Now, in this case, uh, you know, if you're going to be running the football, doing a read option, I mean, then you are going to be vulnerable, and that's just, I mean, there's not a lot of quarterbacks that are able to do that successfully. I mean, you know, you're not going to see Tom Brady do too many read options. You're not going to see Jameis Winston do too many read options. But, you know, it's something that uh, has to be tested, and I think Suggs did a good job of testing it. The weird part is seeing Chip Kelly come back and say, hey, that wasn't a read option play because it was a different type of call. I thought that was a little unusual. And really, Sam Bradford's not going to do too many read options. But no, it's like, hey, this is, you go back to Jack Lambert in the 70s. It's like, hey, you put the skirts on the guys because they want to try to protect the quarterbacks because they're the most important asset a team's going to have. Well, we're worth an important asset here. That's ESPN's John Clayton, a Hall of Fame selector. And John, as we know now, Green Bay is going to be without Jordy Nelson for the year. So A, how does that affect the NFC power structure in general? And B, Green Bay's chances in particular. Green Bay still has the best team, at least in the division, and probably now the second best team in the conference behind Seattle, but that's always going to be something that's going to be juggling back and forth because of injuries, because if you watch for the last couple of years, it was usually between Seattle and San Francisco, and then an injury here or there would push one team above the other. They're still talented at the receiver position. Devontae Adams has a chance to be a very good receiver. Ty Montgomery looks encouraging, so what it's going to affect is the ability to throw outside the numbers to the right. Aaron Rodgers was the best in football at that last year, and so much of it was because Jordy Nelson was out there at the right side of the numbers, making the catches, getting the eight touchdowns that he had from the outside the numbers. That's not going to be as prevalent. Now, Adams might be able to do some of that. He just isn't going to be able to do all of that because you're taking away, arguably, one of the top three receivers in football last year. 
I was wondering, John, in your opinion, what other team or teams do you feel have been significantly hurt by injury loss this summer, and, and, and what, if anything, needs to be done to reduce this, these chances of a season ending before it really even begins? I'd say Carolina and Arizona are two teams that are affected because you know, look what's happened over in Carolina. They lose Kelvin Benjamin, the wide receiver. Frank Alexander blows out an Achilles, and so now he's going to I mean, they waived him injured, so he's gone. Then you start to look at Bobby Massey's going to be out three games with the suspension at right tackle. They don't have Daryl Washington back, so I think you put Arizona in the front, followed closely by Carolina. I mean, you know, and, and, you know, because there's just so many injuries that happen between those two teams, and so they're up front. I think the biggest thing that has to be looked at is the off-season program. I'm not talking about when they show up in April to start doing the OTAs and all the workouts. It's before that because what happens when the players are on their own from January all the way through the last part of April, they may not be training their tendons as much. Yeah, they can rest the joints. That's fine. But if you don't train the tendons, we have this upswing in ACL tears and Achilles tears. So if you don't train those tendons, the first non-contact incident is going to be involving that. That's why at the moment there's 24 ACLs and about 9 to 11 Achilles injuries, a little bit above the pace from last year. Hey, John, we are talking about Arizona. You didn't even mention Mikey Opati, too. They're going to miss him as well. Yeah, no question. Um, I mean, so offensive line, they're down two starters. Defense, they're down starters. And that's, that's, that's a big thing to try to overcome. Hey, Clady, what, what happens with RG3 in Washington? And, and do you see him with the Redskins next year? I don't see him with the Redskins next year. I know he has a $16.1 million option on him, but, I mean, I just don't think he's going to be able to survive the season. I mean, they've got issues still on the offensive line. He's taking a hit every third play, and I don't know if the body's going to be able to handle that over the long course of time. Plus, you still get the feeling that the coaching staff doesn't have the greatest confidence in him, and so I would imagine he'll get four, five, six weeks into the season, and then the body's going to start shutting down, or his performance starts to drop because of the body being so banged up that they'll have to end up going to a different quarterback. You know, Clark, this is what I love about whenever we have Clayton on. Who else would know there'd been 24 ACLs and 11 Achilles? This <laughs> oh, is like talking like you know, Ben Casey, Dr. Ben well, Casey. Only Dr. <laughs> Data would know that. Yeah, he was. Exactly right. <laughs> and he's not here. Databases. Uh, John, you know, Buffalo sold over 60,000 season tickets for the first time, but they still don't have a quarterback. What are those fans thinking up there? What is leading them to, to buy these tickets? Well, because, I mean, when you look at the team, they've got the talent to be a 10 or 11 win team. They're that good. They've you know, got one of the top three defenses in football. They've added significantly to the skilled positions with Percy Harvin. You know, they have LaShawn McCoy. They've got three decent receivers. But the problem is, as it is, they're in quarterback purgatory. Those, those are the words that Doug Whaley uses because if you're now at the stage where you have talent, you're going to be drafting in the middle of the draft, and it's very difficult to get that quarterback, and that's where they are. And so, you know, now they have to be among the four or five teams each year that reach out to the class of 205, whether it's Matt Castle, Ryan Fitzpatrick, or some of those quarterbacks from them, that, that they're the only ones that they can really come in and try to start. So it's a very tough situation, but the fans should be excited. This is a very good football team with a coach who's very exciting and Rex Ryan. It's just that you're right. They just don't have the quarterback. We should know that sound, John. It's two-minute warning, and we're going to ask you to take Rick Goslin's place here. Now, Ron's going to ask the questions. I can't take Goslin's place. Well, you're going to try. It's impossible. You're on the it, clock, baby. Goose. No, 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 no. There's two O's in Goose, boy. You've already been Dr. Data for us with all those uh, okay. surgeries, so you're going to try, and you're going to succeed. Ron's going to ask the questions. You and I are going to answer. You can go first, Clady. And Derek Burns, our producer, he's going to run the clock. So how's that sound, John? Sounds good. Okay, Chris Carter says his heart was in the right place when he advised NFL rookies to have a fall guy in their crew to take the blame for any run-ins with the law. 
What would have he have told him if his heart was in the wrong place? Well, I think he was in the wrong place when he said that because that's one thing you don't want to do. Have anybody admit you have a fall guy. Take responsibility for yourself. What would he have said? Quick, get me Christian Barnard. <laughs> Robert Klemko, a reporter for SI's Monday Morning Quarterback, agreed not to use Carter's fall guy comments at the assist- insistence of the NFL, even though he was the only reporter present. He said at the time that those things were immaterial. What subject would have been more material than that? It was a material, but of course, to get entry into something like that, you make sacrifices, unfortunately. More material? Linen. (laughs) (laughs) The Colts debugged the visiting locker room at Gillette Stadium in in New England before every game. So why have they lost their last four playoff games there? Uh, Mainly because their defense isn't as good. They need to take the bugs out of the defense. (laughs) Repeat after me, Ron. Tom Brady. Tom Brady. Tom Brady. Free Brady. Tom Brady. There you go. Man love. Randy Moss says he hasn't lost the itch to play football. Will someone scratch that itch this season? Uh, no. Nor will they scratch the itch of Terrell Owens. Not unless they want an outbreak of hives. Lions safety Glover Quinn said, quote, God meant for Jordy Nelson, unquote, to blow out his knee. What's God got against Jordy Nelson? Uh, I guess God must be a Lions fan, according to uh, Quinn. He didn't support the global tour, remember? That's right. Todd is God. (laughs) Can the Packers get to the Super Bowl with Devontae Adams and Jordy Nelson's spot? I think so. The key is getting home field advantage if it's particularly playing Seattle. But if they have to play in Seattle, I don't think they can do it. Excuse me, who? Devontae Adams. Come on, boy. How many more NFL stars have to go down in meaningless exhibition games? Yes, I said it, exhibition games, before the league cuts them back to two. Probably about hundreds because they, they, you know, the owners like the millions they get from the preseason. I'm with you, Clay. It's not injuries that concerns this league. It's money. The Texans have named Brian Hoyer their starting quarterback over Ryan Mallett. Does it really matter? I think it does because I think he's efficient. He's just not great. Let's see, Ron. Hoyer was benched for Johnny Football, right? The answer is yes. no. John Clayton, can you rough a passer if he isn't passing, as Shep Kelly insists? Sure you can, because they'll throw a flag if they just see a quarterback get hit. <laughs> I agree with John. The answer is yes, because, Ron, you're Bobo. Roger Goodell told me so. Ooh, Bobo. <laughs> that is the end of our first hour. John Clayton, thanks for joining us. When we return... Bobo. Wow. We'll have Hall of Fame receiver Lance Allworth and another Hall of Fame selector, Jeff Legwald, from John Clayton's alma mater, ESPN. This is the Talk of Fame Network. The two for five dollar deal at Burger King just got hotter. That's right, we just spiced it up with the new extra long jalapeno cheeseburger. Feel the flame with two all beef patties side by side, stacked with fiery jalapenos. They're like little green firecrackers exploding in your mouth. Oh yeah, did we mention you can get two sandwiches at Burger King for just five bucks? But if that's too much fire for one mouth, you can mix and match with the Big King, Big Fish, or Original Chicken Sandwich. Only at Burger King. Limited time only. Price of participation may vary. Prices higher in Alaska and Hawaii. Hi, Tom Bodette. What's with the names celebrities are giving their kids? Where I come from, people aren't named after fruit or directions. Well, at least there's one name you can't go wrong with, Motel 6. Not as a kid's name, but where you can get a clean, comfortable room for the lowest price of any national chain. It'll save you a few bucks now and lots of therapy later. I'm formerly Kumquat South, now Tom Bodette for Motel 6, and we'll leave the light on for you. Book online at motel6.com. Now, back to the Talk of Fame Network with Ron Borges, Rick Goslin, and your Hall of Fame host, Clark Judge. As you should know by now, 
The Talk of Fame is brought to you by MyCleanPC. If your computer is running slowly, just log on to MyCleanPC.com for a free diagnosis. And within minutes, you can download software that will clean up what may be affecting your computer. That's MyCleanPC. Well, Ron, nothing bothers us. Not even the absence of doctor data. We're the Talk of Fame Network, and we're back for our number two. As I just mentioned, don't look for the gooser here, Rick Goslin, today. He's not here. He's in Oxford. Ox... Nard. I wish he were in Oxford. <laughs> Sounds like he's from Oxford. He he's in Oxnard, California. Oxford, yeah, I do. Uh, probably trying to break up another fight. But uh, anyway, it's Ron and, and I doing the heavy lifting. Except, Ron, we're actually not. We've got plenty of help here. Uh, we're going to be joined in this hour by Hall of Fame wide receiver Lance Allworth. AFL historian Todd Tobias was with us in the last hour, and he was great. And Hall of Fame selector Jeff Legwold of ESPN is also in this hour. Plus, we're going to talk about the contributors up for consideration next week for the class of 2016. That committee, which Goose and I remember, it meets in Canton, and it's going to emerge with one candidate, just one, not two as in last year. And the seniors committee, of course, met last week and emerged with two, not one as last year. And, and it emerged with Ken Stabler and Dick Stanfeld. And we'll talk about that with Ron and Jeff Legold, both of whom were part of that process. But first, Derek, you want to strike up the band because it's time to honor more seniors. Not for their play, but for their birthdays. On Wednesday, August 26th, former Pittsburgh great and a guy Tony Dungy wants to get in the Hall of Fame, Donnie Shell. He turned 63. Wow. And on Saturday, August 29th, former Giants linebacker Carl Banks from guess where, Derek? Yep. Send him in. Michigan State marching band, because that's where he's from. Ghost Party. He turns 53. While former Ravens and Cleveland running back Jamal Lewis turns, can this be right, Rod, 36? Wow. We don't make him up. And Ricky Williams, yes, that Ricky Williams, wedding dress and all, he turns 37. And on Sunday, what if you still August 30th, dress? <laughs> do you have that somewhere? in your closet? He's got, <laughs> got that in his closet. Another running back on Sunday, August 30th, turns 38, and that's former NFL MVP and member of the 2000 All-Decade Team Seattle star, Sean Alexander. We should probably be th- talked about for the Hall of Fame at least once, by the way. At some point, uh, yeah. But, uh, you know, injustice seems to be one of the hot to- topics around the NFL these days. Now, don't start with me, Clark. But we got Tom Brady into Flategate. we got Terrell Suggs and uh, Tackling Gate. And we got Jordy Nelson lost for the season. So, I thought, cakes, uh, I'd remind you all that cakes are cooking for Mary Ann Nichols. Remember Mary Ann Clark? Probably dated her. In 1945, Marianne was the first victim of Jack the Ripper. Now there is some injustice. <laughs> well, congratulations to everyone, including Jack. And uh, in recognition of another year, Ron's going to be sending you Oakland Raiders playoff tickets with free parking included. Uh, me, I'm going to send you back to the 1990s when there was no tackle playing better than Jacksonville's Tony Baselli. In fact, he played so well, he was named to the all-decade team, three all-pro clubs, and five Pro Bowls. And that's in seven years. What he wasn't named to... Of course, it's the Hall of Fame, and that's why I'm here. I don't get it. I'll tell you why. It's not just that he's not a Hall of Famer. It's that he's never been discussed. Not as one of the Hall's 15 finalists, and worse, not as one of its 25 semifinalists. Now, Ron, will someone please explain that to me? Because maybe I should have asked uh, John Clayton, the professor, but there are 10 first-team offensive players from the 1990s all-decade team in the Hall, which means only one is not. Guess who that is. But there are five second-team offensive players in there, too. Five second-teamers. And a sixth quarterback, Brett Favre, who's going to make it in 2016. They're in the hall, too. 
So something's not right here. I spoke to Baselli this week, and I, I know he's okay with it, but frankly, he's puzzled, and, and so am I. I mean, as he put it, if you're the best at your position, shouldn't that count for something? And I, he understands about the longevity, because I know you're probably going to ask me about that, Ron, but he played only 91 games in 77 years with the Jags, but he also had more starts than Dwight Stevenson, who, by the way, is in the Hall of Fame. So I don't know what it is. The fact of the matter is he didn't play in the Super Bowl. The fact of the matter is he didn't play, or he did play in a small market and didn't play in a large one. Or is it the fact that he had an abbreviated career? All I know is it's wrong. Tony Bozzelli deserves more, much more, in the Hall of Fame. Well, Clark, you know, uh, you, you, you touched upon a couple of things that I, that I uh, would like you to elaborate on. Uh, I'm wondering how much you think playing in Jacksonville, losing two AFC Championship games and not getting to the Super Bowl has to do with him being forgotten? Or is it more just about the fact that he only started it, uh, every game three times in seven years at a position that's really known for longevity. Yeah, Ron, I think it's more about longevity because, as you know, that group really dwells on that. When you had Darrell Davis up, uh, that's the one thing they question. But, um, you know, I know the small market might have had an impact, but I agree with Baselli. He said, it shouldn't make a difference if you play in a small market or a big market. If you play in Jacksonville, New York, you're either good or you're not good. I mean, good is good. And that said, I just wonder what his chances would have been if he played New York. Guaranteed, at the very least, he'd be a finalist. Tony Baselli may have to wait, but we won't. We're going to commercial. When we return, we'll sit down with one of the greatest receivers in NFL history, Lance Allworth. You're listening to the Talk of Fame Network. Talk of Fame Network's brought to you by Advanced Auto Parts and CarQuest. Great products, great people, and great prices. The two-for-five-dollar deal at Burger King just got hotter. That's right, we just spiced it up with the new extra-long jalapeno cheeseburger. Feel the flame with two all-beef patties side-by-side stacked with fiery jalapenos. They're like little green firecrackers exploding in your mouth. Oh, yeah, did we mention you can get two sandwiches at Burger King for just five bucks? But if that's too much fire for one mouth, you can mix and match with the Big King, Big Fish, or Original Chicken Sandwich. Only at Burger King. Limited time only. Price participation may vary. Prices higher in Alaska and Hawaii. This is Lori Grenier. You've seen me on Shark Tank hearing pitches from small businesses. Now, there is a new way for small businesses to get a loan in minutes. It's called Cabbage. That's Cabbage with a K. Just fill out the application online. You'll get an instant decision and could have access to a line of credit of up to $100,000. No waiting, no hassle. Cabbage is A-plus rated by the Better Business Bureau and is a Forbes Top 100 company. Go to Cabbage.com, that's Cabbage with a K, K K-A-B-B-A-G-E, or call 888-CABBAGE. Hi, Tom Bodette spreading the word about Motel 6's cool new hashtag. It's all about the thrilling stuff you can do with the money you save at Motel 6 instead of some expensive hotel with a lot of fancy stuff you don't need. Thrills, not frills. Just post all those thrill pics you take on your summer travels with the hashtag thrills, not frills. Boom. I mean, hashtag boom. Hashtag this is awesome. I'm Tom Bodette for hashtag Motel 6 and hashtag hashtag we'll leave the light on for you. I don't like sit-down dinners. I don't go to sit-down strikes. I like standing room only. And I don't ride bikes. This pretty bad song is by a guy with pretty bad hemorrhoids. He needs Preparation H relief with the power of two. First, use fast-acting Preparation H medicated wipes. Then, longer-lasting Preparation H maximum strength cream. Let's sit together on the porch swing. Preparation H. Don't stand for hemorrhoids. Use as directed. And try specially formulated medicated wipes for women. Now, back to the Talk of Fame Network. Our next guest needs no introduction, but I'm going to give him one anyway. Lance Allworth was the greatest wide receiver in AFL history, and some will tell you the greatest wide receiver of all time. He's been a Super Bowl winner, he's been a league MVP, and he still holds the record, tied by Calvin Johnson, 
for most games, that would be five, with 200 or more yards and catches. One difference. Lance did it five decades ago. He's in the Pro Football Hall of Fame, the College Football Hall of Fame, the Chargers Hall of Fame. He was the first AFL player elected to the Pro Football Hall of Fame, and he's a member of the All-AFL team, the University of Arkansas's All-Century team, and the NFL's 75th anniversary team. Well, now, yeah, now he is ours. Lance Allworth, welcome to the show. Well, thank you very much. I, uh... Uh, you know, I, it, it took uh, a long, long time to accumulate all that. I didn't even realize that all that happened during these years. <laughs> well, that's why we're here. <laughs> <laughs> it did. That's funny. Hey, Lance, we had Gino Capaletti on in the first hour, and Ron, tell him what Gino said. First of all, he said to, to remember you, or to remember himself to you, but then he said, Ron? Thank you. Yeah, Gino's a good friend of mine. He said, you know, you probably forgot he was a defensive back his first year in the AFL, and he said it was a break for you that they moved him to offense because he might have been the only guy who could cover you. <laughs> <laughs> Tell him thank you very much. I appreciate that. <laughs> hey, Lance, when you left Arkansas, you were drafted by the 49ers and the Oakland Raiders, the AFL, of course. The Raiders then traded you to San Diego, one of the great deals of all time. Uh, but then you signed with the Chargers instead of San Francisco. Why would you take a chance on an upstart league? Well, you know, honestly, uh, it was really – at that time, the, you know, we didn't really have any clubs in the South. So, you know, when, when I was drafted, so that, football was not, you know, what it is today. And uh, at the time they drafted me, I got, you know, you didn't have agents or anything because there wasn't that much money. When I signed, I, I signed for a $10,000 bonus and a $20,000 salary for two years. So, you know, you, there wasn't that much money in Boston, so no one was involved except yourself negotiating with them. And when, you know, your kid just coming out of college and I got, I talked to the Chargers and they said, well, you know, we'll give you a no-cut contract for two years. And, you know, in the 10 and 20, I said, fine. And then I talked with the uh, 49ers and they said, well, number one, we won't give you a no-cut contract. And I said, you're not, well, I said, you know, that's what I'd like to have. I'm, I don't want to spend two years not knowing what I'm going to do. And I said, well, thank you very much. And that was the, you know, that was the only conversation I had with them regarding contracts. Hmm. <laughs> wow. Things have and, changed. And, uh, things have really changed, believe yeah, me. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's remarkable, but uh, that's, that's, that's where they were coming from in those days. Uh, yeah, the position- NFL said, we don't, we don't do that. <laughs> it's typical. Uh, uh, your position coach in San Diego was a guy I got to know well, uh, covering the Raiders for many years, Al Davis. Uh, he now was was passionate about you, and he always used to tell me and anybody else who would listen that uh, you know you were the greatest receiver that, to ever play. I'm just wondering. Obviously, a lot resonated with you when it came to Al. You had him as your presenter at the Hall of Fame. Did your relationship change when he left there and went to Oakland? And if so, how did it change? Say our relationship, not at all. Uh, I always had the utmost respect for him, and I, I feel like he did the same to me. Uh, I, I loved him as a human being, and uh, we always, uh, uh, before the ball games, and you know, in fact, he would call me at times and ask me about defensive backs when he was in Oakland and say, Well, should I trade for them, or, or you know, how, what do you feel about it? How do you feel about them? So I had a, just a really good relationship with him that, that went you know, beyond, uh, beyond football, really. And uh, I don't know, he was just, you know, he's a person that I f- just felt like uh, is the epitome of, you know, of, of what I'd like to have for a dad. Wow. Just well, a, a great person, a great coach, and, 
you know, he, he seemed just to do, uh, he, if he told you he was going to do something, he did it. And uh, that was during those times, uh, there weren't very many people doing that. We're with Chargers great Lance Allworth on the Talk of a Network, and Lance is the epitome of what most people would want as a wide receiver. And Lance, I was watching film recently of the 63 Chargers, and that's a team that broke Ron's young heart when you crushed Boston. You in did. the AFL championship game. Ron still hasn't gotten over that. In fact, Gino I Capaletti. I waited all day for that game, Lance, and it was over in like four minutes. That was <laughs> well, Gino Capaletti hasn't gotten over it either. I asked him about it. He goes, I don't remember it. <laughs> I said, for good reason. Anyway, I was struck by how good or overwhelming that team was on both sides of the ball. How do you think that team would have fared in the NFL? Because Gino Capaletti said to us, if you had played the Chicago Bears, team that won that year in the NFL, he thinks you would have been at least competitive and might have beaten them. Well, you know, I played on one other uh, Super Bowl team, and that was with the Dallas Cowboys in my later years. And Honestly, the best team I played on was the 63 Chargers. They had a great offense. Uh, Paulo, Keith Lincoln, uh, we had some great linemen with Ron Mix. and uh, Gosh, we had great defenses with uh, probably two of the biggest guys in the league at that time, and not only big but very active with – you know, but Ernie Ladd, and uh, it was it was it was the best team that I played on. I'd have to say we'd been a little competitive. We always looked forward to, uh, you know, we always were wanting to challenge them, but uh, nobody would play us at the time. <laughs> so, you know, we'll, we'll never really know. But I feel like we uh, we could have held our own. I can guarantee you that. What was it like, Lance, when uh, two things seemed to really, or three things actually seemed to really uh, crystallize things for the AFL? Uh, the, the first big TV contract, and then Joe Namath signing with the Jets, and then Super Bowl three, and the, and the Jets winning that game, which almost everybody I've talked to, whoever played in the AFL, said that that wasn't a Jets victory. That was for the whole league. That was an AFL victory. What was that like that day when, when they won that game? You know, I was in the stands that day, so, I, you know, uh, I wasn't surprised. I was you know, personally, uh, very, very happy about it, but, uh, you know, because it just, it, it meant so much to me because I, everybody kept telling us we couldn't play with them and we knew we could. So it was just, uh, you know, I, uh, I couldn't, I couldn't wait to play against them, you know, and, and, uh, I, I think everybody felt that way. And that's probably one of the reasons why the AFL won that game was, you know, we, uh, the guys, you know, had been hearing all these years how bad we were in comparison, and or you know we weren't just as good as everybody else, and and wanted to prove it. So I I feel like that had an awful lot to do with uh, with the Jets winning that first game. We're talking with Hall of Fame receiver Lance Allworth on the Talk of Fame Network. Lance, earlier on the show, we asked AFL historian Todd Tobias, whom you know well, of course, we asked him to name five AFL players he would put in the hall. So I'm not going to ask you to do that, but I will ask you to name one. Who would that be? John Hale. I got to name another one too. Johnny Robinson from uh, the defensive back. John, everywhere John went, he won, and he is probably in the top five or six if you look at all the stats. And he just, you know, he didn't win a Super Bowl, but he won everything else. And he was a, just a tremendous football player and leader. So, uh, you know, he's just just a guy that I feel like has been overlooked. And Johnny Robinson, uh, the safety for Kansas City, was the same way. I mean, uh, you locked your jock when you went across the middle with him because, uh, <laughs> you know, when you go across the middle, you can, uh, if you go get the ball, normally a defensive back will give you a split second to catch it. If you go up to get it, there's a split second that he hesitates. 
unless you get it. Uh, there are a few people that don't. Johnny Robinson was one of those that didn't. He just went right through you. So, you know, he had my respect, and I, I, I think his record shows that, uh, you know, he probably, uh, you know, uh, he, he deserves recognition. He was, he was a great ball player. I watched those games, AFL games, uh, you know, as, as a kid and was a fan of the league, obviously, because I was growing up in Boston. They had, you know, when the Patriots and all. And now I watch the game now. And I'm wondering, uh, you know, from, from your uh, perspective, how do you think you would do today under the current NFL rules, which they call limited contact, I call no contact, as opposed to when you were trying to run through there and Willie Brown was knocking your face off and all of that? Uh, you know, it. it, it Times have changed so much, and uh, you know I'd like to think that uh, that I do pretty well because uh, if a guy can't touch you or can't get in the hands of you, that you know, that was the main thing was trying to get away from those guys all the time so you could catch the ball. So if you're given the freedom of uh, you know of not being able to to really be grabbed or held as as much as uh, as we were in those days, then uh, then you know it it, it you know it, it takes the edge away from the defensive guys too. So I don't know. I I'd like to think I'd do pretty well, and uh, I, I think anybody playing during the time that that we played with you know with different rules and regulations would uh, would feel that way too. So it's kind of sad to me that they've done away with a lot of it because you know, the contact was what's what the game's all about. You know, even with the concussions, I you know I really uh, feel sorry for everybody that had them. So do I had them too, and. Um, you know, and I don't think that any of the guys that have had the problems, if they had, you know, a chance to do it over, would do it any differently than, than what they did then because they loved the game and they loved to play and it, it provided, you know, life for them. So, anyway, I'm getting them. It's a different subject. but uh, Oh, it's, it's interesting. I was, I'm wondering, was there a defensive back in particular that gave you the most trouble when, when, when you were back there playing? Is there one guy you comes to mind you say, boy, that was a tough day. Willie Brown. There you go. <laughs> you mentioned him already. <laughs> yeah, that guy could cover anything. <laughs> he was, yeah, it's really funny because the only, only way you could, only way you could really beat him was I'd, you'd come off, I'd come off the side and I mean, he always had his hands all over you and I, uh, you know, I mean, he was quick as, he was just as quick as you were and I'd come, I'd take about four or five steps and I'd just sort of look back over my shoulder like, oh, the play's over. And I'd, I'd do it four or five or six times. And finally, I'd get him to look, and then I'd tell John, John, I got him, you know. <laughs> and we did it in San Diego, and and we'd done it to him before, and and he knew I was doing it, but he just he just couldn't keep from putting his eyes back there. And so <laughs> we threw it, and we did it. And he says, "You'll never do that to me again, Lance. You'll never do that to me again." And so the next series of downs, I told John, I said, John, let's try it again. And we tried it again, and it worked. And he was so uh, he was so upset about it because he's such a great cornerback and cover guy. And he he couldn't believe that we, that we got it twice in a row on just looking back. And, not, you know, he was uh, being lackadaisical himself. He wasn't paying attention. So, But, you know, he, he's, he's the guy that <clears throat> Al Davis asked me. He was in uh, Denver. And Al called me and said, uh, you know, uh, this guy's been hurt. He hadn't been playing much. And he said, what do you think about him? I said, Al, he's the best guy I've ever played against. And Al said, well, I'm going to get him. And sure enough, he did. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, you know, the rest is sort of history. But he, he's a great defensive backer. He was. And, you know, I have the utmost respect for him. 
Well, Lance, we've got the utmost respect for you. Unfortunately, we're out of time, but this has been fun. But it's been more than fun. It's a privilege to talk to you. Thanks so much for your time. Yeah, I appreciate it. And uh, we'll talk again sometime. Thanks, Lance. Thanks, Lance. That was Hall of Fame wide receiver Lance Allworth. When we return, we'll talk about next week's Contributors Committee that will emerge with one candidate for the class of 2016. This is the Talk of Fame Network. Talk of Fame Network is brought to you by Advanced Auto Parts and CarQuest. Great products, great people, and great prices. For over 75 years, Geico's been about consistency. As in, we've consistently helped people save money on their car insurance. And to prove it, we'll air one of our first radio commercials from over 75 years ago. At Geico, we're all about consistency. As in, we consistently help people save money on their car insurance. To prove it, you can call Geico. Call us today, call us tomorrow, call us 75 years from now. That was way more consistent than I expected. Geico, saving people money for over 75 years. The 2015 Cupera features plush leather seating that will feel to your hemorrhoids like sitting on lava-hot knitting needles. Not if you step up to relief with the power of two from Preparation H. First, use Preparation H medicated wipes to soothe as they clean. Then, Preparation H maximum strength cream to relieve pain and burning. Now, sink into that rich upholstery. Mmm, luxurious. Preparation H. Don't stand for hemorrhoids. Use as directed. And try specially formulated medicated wipes for women. Hi, I'm Bruce Fabrizio, inventor of Simple Green, the iconic cleaning formula known around the globe. Since being introduced to households and businesses over 35 years ago, the family of Simple Green products has grown. But one thing all of them share is my full commitment to their excellence. Simple Green. Try a Simple Green product today, and if you're not 100% satisfied, I'll refund your money. Visit us at simplegreen.com. Simple Green. Simple Green. Not all barbecues are the same. Not all guitar licks are the same. Not all motor oils are the same either. Valvoline Full Synthetic High Mileage with Max Life Technology actually is different. It's the superior protection of synthetic for cars over 75,000 miles. But don't just believe us. See for yourself at seeadifference.com. Valvoline, 140 years under the hood. Now, back to the Talk of Fame Network with Ron Borges, Rick Goslin, and your Hall of Fame host, Clark Judge. They are who we thought they were. Well, by now, if you don't know that we're brought to you by My Clean PC, you really haven't been paying attention. Uh, they are who we thought they were. I've been telling you throughout this and other shows that if your computer runs slowly, you log on to MyCleanPC.com for a free diagnosis. And guess what? Within minutes, you can download software that can clean up what may be slowing down your computer. That's MyCleanPC.com. But we're also brought to you by Advanced Auto Parts and CarQuest. There you'll find great products, great people, and best of all, great prices. And speaking of great people, we have plenty of them. Lined up for the one contributor spot in the class of 2016. For those of you who don't know, contributors are defined as uh, anyone who's not a player or a coach, and that includes plenty of candidates. Uh, Ron, I think you can figure in guys like former San Francisco owner Eddie DeBartolo, former GM George Young, 
Uh, Art Modell, former owner, probably former commissioner Paul Tagliabue, that they're going to be on that list mostly because A, they were on it a year ago, and B, they've all been Hall of Fame finalists when the contributors were included with coaches and players in voting. That wasn't that long ago. That was actually right. two years ago. Um, as I said, Rick and I are on that committee. So is John Clayton, who was a guest of ours in the first segment or the first hour. So we should be close to what's happening and what probably won't be happening next week are personnel directors or GMs. And the reason... We had Bill Polian and Ron Wolf as contributors this year. Both are in the Hall of Fame, which probably keeps someone like, say, a Bobby Bethard or a Gil Brandt, for example, both of whom are qualified on the outside looking in. At least I think that's my feeling about this year. Ron, how about you? Well, uh, I agree with you. I mean, I think obviously you're on the committee. You have a, a probably a, a more of the pulse of it than I do. But, yeah, I think you're right. I mean, you can't keep bringing out a sort of parade of personnel guys. Right. Uh, but, you know, what about a referee? I mean, Arby now, yep. for example, you know, baseball, basketball, hockey, they, they all honor Jim several Tunney. referees. Yeah, I mean, the NHL has uh, one of our favorites, the big whistle, <laughs> Bill Chadwick. And he, that guy only had one eye, and he got in the Hall of Fame. So. As opposed yeah. to the quick whistle, who is Derek. Derek, the <laughs> quick whistle, right, who's not Derek going Burns. in the Hall of Fame. <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, my guess, Ron, and, and this is simply a guess, just from talking to people, is that someone like a DeBartolo may be a front runner this year, not only because he was close a year ago, and he was close, he but was. because this game is in San Francisco. And I know that shouldn't mean anything, but, you know, honestly, it, it probably does. Okay, it's not in San Francisco. It's in Santa Clara, but that's where the 49ers headquarters are. Uh, and, and there may be some sentimentality to bringing him out for that event. I mean, he's missed three times as a finalist when they were included, talking about the contributors with players and coaches, but now he's in his own group, and I think that that's probably key. But as I said, uh, he was close a year ago, and I think that probably means something here. Well, you're right. Uh, sentimental journeys, we all like sentimental journeys, and uh, what he's got to hope is that he gets closer to the Hall of Fame than, than Santa Clara is to San Francisco. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, you right. and I know that we live there, so we both know what we're talking about. Now, I, I guess my issue with Eddie D is that, you know, when Bill Walsh came up, they gave him all the credit for building the 49ers organization. Right. He did this, and he did that, and he did everything, and he was, the you know, and now we hear Eddie did this, and Eddie did that. I'm confused. I'm often confused, as you know, but, you know, what did he really contribute, uh, I guess, the, the question I, I want answered by you guys when you present him, if in fact that's the guy you bring out, is what did he contribute to, to football beyond what he did for his own team? Yeah, I think, I think what people are going to tell you is that he basically laid down the foundation for model franchises and franchises that people emulated, but I would tell people then when it was going on, because they talked about how they would fly first class, or they, they charter trips, or they put them in their own hotel rooms. They wouldn't double up in hotel rooms. And I said, I, I'm not so sure it's about the accommodations. I think it's more about Joe Montana, Jerry Rice, and Ronnie Lott. They had great players. Right. Yeah, you know, you're exactly right. And it's you know, all those other things. And, and you know, Clark, you'll recall you and I standing on the steps of the Hall of Fame a few weeks ago talking to Steve Young about it. Yeah. And that's what Steve said was that he felt, when I asked him that issue, he felt that Eddie changed the way other teams did business, and therefore, not all of them, as he quickly pointed out, but a number of them, in terms of how they were dealing with the players and uh, uh, out-of-season situations and travel and all those things that you mentioned, and that that, in fact, uh, changed the way a lot of teams did things, and most of those teams were also successful, and certainly the Patriots modeled a lot of what they did uh, after the 49ers. Yeah, that's right. Great quarterbacks. Joe Montana, Tom Brady. Free Brady! Hey, Ron, uh, if you were voting, 
Whom would you support here? I mean, do you have a guy in mind that if you were in that room that you would support? I do. It's uh, Bucko Kilroy. Uh, Bucko was an all-decade player from the 40s. He coached in the league. Uh, Then he moved into personnel where he helped devise the Cowboys system, uh, which uh, was one of the most successful in history. He really was... It doesn't get the credit he deserves for that. Then yeah, he, you wrote about him earlier on our website, right? Talkoffame.com. Yeah, yeah, I did in in uh, in our state your case, and, and he has a strong case. You know, he he later went on and served as general manager uh, and then senior executive with the Patriots for many years. And I think the measure of of how good he was when it came to players, not to, when it came to their names, by the way, he once talked about Napoleon McCallum to me. He said, "I want to draft that guy Bonaparte." That's a true story. Uh, <laughs> Good thing he didn't. <laughs> right. But, you know, he was retained by Bill Barcells. He was retained by Bill Belichick because they understood uh, his knowledge and his eye for talent. So that would be the guy that I would uh, like to see come out. Well, I'll tell you what I understand, and being honest here, I, I don't think there's that much support for his candidacy. But Goose and I do like the guy, and we like the guy because we listen to you. And uh, normally we don't, Ron, but in this I one, know you don't. We well, did. Football and, matters, you should, though. Yeah. and, and Life will... advice, maybe not so much. <laughs> right. Tom Brady, add not so much. And and there is going to be talk about Bucko Gilroy next week, as there will be about uh, many of these others. But guaranteed, I just think it looks as if the time is right for someone who's not a talent evaluator, mostly because of what happened with Pauline and Wolf, as I said before. Right. You know, the other owner that I think at some point, I don't know if he's on your list this year, that I really hope you bring out, is Bud Adams, without whom right. the AFL would never ex- have existed. Uh, you know, Lamar Hart gets all the credit, and he deserves a lot of credit for it, but if Bud didn't uh, form the Orioles and join up with Lamar Hunt, there would have been no uh, AFL, and Lamar was the first one to admit that. Uh, and then, uh, during the early years of the league, he propped up the New York Titans with his money, and, yeah. and the owner was Harry Isma, who, Wismer, who was broke most of the time, and he basically kept them afloat until uh, they were sold and, and got the move from the polo grounds over to Shea and became the Jets. Uh, his, he also built a team that won the first two AFL titles, and they played uh, in four AFL title games. So I think he's a guy you should look at. Well, there's another guy we should look at. It's a Hall of Fame contributor who's right here and right now. That's Ron Borges with his Borges or Bogus. Yep. Featuring our own Ron Borges, who is here to remind Green Bay fans, Ron, this is what I'm told, why preseason games, I didn't say exhibition, Ron, <laughs> preseason games really can mean something. Yeah, they can. They can kill your team. Exactly. Uh, you know, I mean, the past two weeks of exhibition games, as you know, I'd be fined in the NFL office if I said that, exhibition games, have seen an avalanche of injuries, many of them season-ending before the season even begins. One of the biggest, arguably, was, of course, the loss of the uh, Packers' best wide receiver, Jordy Nelson. And that's going to seriously impact Green Bay's Super Bowl hopes, no question. After the game, quarterback Aaron uh, Rodgers said it was a shame to lose players, quote, in meaningless games. Despite that, the NFL fines employees in the league office if if they refer to those games as exhibitions. I think they flog them if they actually say they're meaningless. Um, (laughs) Well, Goose would flog you if he heard this. Goose would flog you. (laughs) I mean, how much longer can this carnage go on before the owners realize uh, that these games are not worth the easy money they're hoarding by charging full-season prices uh, and not paying uh, salaries at this point in time? Look, high school teams play maybe one jamboree before their season. College teams, they don't play anybody. In fact, they don't even play anybody, most of them, until halfway into this. (laughs) That's right. Yet the NFL exposes its stars to injury four times before they play a single game that counts. Bogus. 
And once they played six such exhibition games in the NFL because the cash-strapped owners needed the money. Because they did not uh, pay salaries until the season began, they were able to charge full price for exhibition games, and they made a killing. But that kind of thing is no longer needed in a league where each team is guaranteed nearly twice the salary cap just from TV revenue. But what's the point? The truth of the matter is, there isn't one. As a matter of fact, it's bogus to continue this preseason carnage. To do so is to cater to the theater of the absurd. There's been much talk about going to 18 games and the toll it will take on players. Rightfully so. But the toll taken each summer in games that mean nothing but can change everything seems even more outrageous. Okay, Ron, I understand your point. But let's say the NFL agrees to go to two preseason games. The only way, I think as you pointed out there, it's going to do that is to go also to 18 regular season games. And you heard... What CFL Hall of Famer Darren Flutie told us last week about that idea? He didn't like it. So is that a better solution, A? And if not, what would you propose, knowing, of course, that financial gain is the first consideration for owners, or as you said, easy money is the first consideration for owners? I would add an, uh, an, an extra week of playoff games where they make a lot of money, uh, where most teams are not losing anything, but they're making money even though they're not in them. Uh, and I think you could sell that, and you could certainly sell fan interest in another round of, of playoff games. Uh, I don't like the 18-game schedule either, but this idea of four preseason games uh, is just killing teams for no apparent uh, good end. Because for just the reason that these things are happening, more and more coaches are doing what, Clark? They're taking the good players off the field, so they're not playing at all. So what good is this doing? It's crazy. Well, preseason may be bogus. I'll tell you what's not. Commercials, and we're going to one right now. We We love them. We'll talk seniors, yeah, as in Ken Stable and Dick Stanfield with Jeff Legwald of ESPN. Let's talk of AIM Network. The two for five dollar deal at Burger King just got hotter. That's right, we just spiced it up with the new extra long jalapeno cheeseburger. Feel the flame with two all beef patties side by side, stacked with fiery jalapenos. They're like little green firecrackers exploding in your mouth. Oh yeah, did we mention you can get two sandwiches at Burger King for just five bucks? But if that's too much fire for one mouth, you can mix and match with the Big King, Big Fish, or Original Chicken Sandwich. Only at Burger King. Limited time only. Price participation may vary. Prices higher in Alaska and Hawaii. This summer, the Liquid Nails brand Tips on Tour truck is coming to a home improvement store near you. The Liquid Nails Tips on Tour truck features live construction adhesive demos, on-the-job tips from product experts, and free Liquid Nails giveaways and rebates. Visit liquidnails.com to find out when the tour is coming to your neighborhood store. Liquid Nails brand construction adhesives. Done once, done right. Introducing Central Multi Gummies, a complete new gummy multivitamin bursting with natural fruit flavors and 100% or more of vitamins B12, D, and D. Support the most important parts of you with Central Multi Gummies and see gummies in a whole new light. New at Walmart for a low price every day. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Hello, and this is my impression of a play-by-play announcer who loves to save money. And here at Progressive, it's discounts all day. The customer's a safe driver and nails it with a discount. Signed up for paperless billing, and it's a discount from downtown. Insuring multiple vehicles, and kablam, shakalaka, fadeaway, cross-court, coast-to-coast, discount mania! Whew, should we go to commercial? Wait, this is a commercial. With all kinds of discounts, Progressive helps you save. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company. Discounts not available in all states or situations. Now, back to the Talk of Fame Network with Ron Borges, Rick Goslin, 
and your Hall of Fame host, Clark Judge. Hey, Ronnie, you ever heard of My Clean PC? Yes, sir. Use it all the time. Well, so should you. And everyone else included. If your computer's running slowly, log on to MyCleanPC.com for a free diagnosis. And within minutes, minutes, you can download software to clean up what may be slowing down your computer. That's MyCleanPC.com. Of course, nothing slowed down the Hall Senior Committee last week. You like that segue? Uh, It produced two familiar candidates for the class of 2016. That would be Ken Stabler and Dick Stanfeld. And two of the selectors inside that room are here with us today. One, of course, is our Ron Borges. But the other is on the phone with us. And that's Jeff Legwald of... That's right, ESPN. Jeff, thanks for joining us. All good. Bring it on. <laughs> okay. Guy's got his own theme song. That's pretty good. He does. It's my walk-up uh, music. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You got there a you tough go. act to follow. We had Clayton from also ESPN in the first segment. So, yeah, you got a tough act to follow here. Um, Leggy, first question. Why Dick Stanfeld? I mean, I think he's Hall of Fame worthy, too, but he's been knocked down twice before, including just three years ago. So, guess my question is, what's happened between then and now to think he has a chance to make it, and, and why not give someone else who hasn't had a chance an opportunity? Well, I guess I would say, you know, your mom always told you to clean your room over and over again, and I'm, I, I want to say that I think it's, it's more important that three different groupings on the senior committee have sent Dick Stanfield into the room, and that tells me that three different groupings of people feel very strongly that this person needs to be considered and voted on for the hall of fame. And and I think that's, I think that's significant. I mean, this is somebody who's coming. I don't think it's the fact that he's coming back a third time. I think it's the fact he's coming back a third time from the third different grouping of senior committee members. And I think this is the senior committee saying, okay, people, Let's take a longer, harder look at this. And, you know, my hope is that he gets a, a really good discussion. And, you know, again, I, I think he's more than deserving and, and deserves people's votes. And, and I hope he, he certainly gets in. Yeah, I agree with Jeff. You know, I think it is a telling point that three different groups looked hard at his uh, credentials and at the credentials of, uh, in this case, this year, 15 other guys because there were 16 finalists because there was a tie in the voting, and still came up with Dick Stanfield. I, th- I think when you're an offensive lineman, when you played in the 1950s, you know, when you factor in all those things, it's difficult. And you have to do some pretty serious research and work to come out with, with a guy like Dick Stanfield. Uh, but if you do that work, and I've done it, and Jeff has done it, and some of our predecessors have done it, once you do the work, you don't have any doubt in your mind that this is a travesty, that Dick Stanfield is not in the Hall of Fame. And, and so I think that's why it happened. I understand your point, Clark, and it's a good one, but that's why it happened. Well, let me ask both of you another question. I spoke to someone recently who suggested that we shouldn't vote on deceased players for at least a year after their death to take the emotional aspect out of it. So I would ask if you agree, first of all, and what, if any part, do you think sympathy played in proposing both of these guys, Dick Stanfield and Ken Stabler, since each of them passed away this summer. I, 
I can't speak for everybody in the room, but I, I will say it, it it didn't play a part in my voting. I, I honestly did not recall that that Tick had passed away in in May, I think, until we were finished. And it occurred to me that uh, then, at that point, we had already finished when it when it, the light went on in my head that both players had indeed passed away this year. So I, I you know, for me, it I don't I don't make that part of the voting. You know, do, do I wish every Hall of Famer who's voted in could you know be there for the experience? Certainly, I mean, it's life changing for those guys. I would always want guys to be able to go through it if they can. But I I don't think when you're in the senior committee. I, I think the candidates that have been the queue in the queue the longest deserve the longest look, and so given that, you're, you're going to be in a circumstance where the the person is probably not living because they're, as Ron said, we had 15 other finalists, and you could make a really good, strong argument for all 15 of those, you know, guys to be Hall of Famers. I think you you make the case and you make the the choices, I don't, I don't think that other stuff enters into it. I don't. I don't think Ken Stabler came out of that room uh, because he had passed away, regardless of what people think. Yeah, and I, and I don't mean to make light of the questions, Clark, because it's a good one and, and it's something to think about. Uh, but you guys both know me and know me well. Clark's known me, you know, too long, 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 too long, exactly. And if there's two things I'm not, it's terribly sympathetic, or or, or terribly emotional, uh, and. It just didn't affect me at all. I mean, I think in both cases, this should have happened a long time ago for, for them. They should have, in my mind, have been in the Hall of Fame a long time ago. And when you're on that senior committee, uh, as Jeff alluded to, you know, you see these situations, you say, you know, you got to clean up the back of the room before you get to the front of the room. And there's a, still a few other guys back there, like Duke Slater and, and uh, uh, Laverne Dilwig and, and, and a couple of those guys uh, that also deserve an uh, airing. So I think we picked... Uh, in my mind, the two best guys. Hey, Leggy, one last one here. we got a minute left. Since the Seniors Committee was formed, Goose tells me there have been, I think, 56 persons proposed, 35 of whom are offensive players, 15 of whom are defenders. Why the disparity? <laughs> because we, we talk about it all the time. I just want to put a safety in before I'm dead. Well, good luck. And Ronald attests this. I brought it up several times. We... You know, the hall is tipped overall, even the, the modern era candidates. I think it's 60-40 now offense, and it's only going to get worse potentially with every receiver we can think of with a thousand career catches, I, I think. So uh, it's definitely something that's going to take some discipline from the, from the voters and to recognize you're going to have to pick Hall of Famers who don't have fantasy stats. Well, Jeff, that is the two-minute drill, the two-minute warning. And if you're going to hang with us here, which I hope you will, you can be part of this. In fact, you can take Rick Gosselin's place. You okay with that? I'm good. Oh, this good. is your form of fantasy. I mean, this is, it couldn't be a bigger fantasy than doing this with us. This is what we're going to do. Ron's going to ask the questions. You and I will answer. You can go first. And Derek Burns will play Judge Berman here and try to keep this thing moving. So, Derek, let's get this thing started. Pete Carroll and Chip Kelly apparently want running quarterbacks now, protected like passing quarterbacks. Isn't that called touch football? Shouldn't happen. If they're going to run the ball, they're running back. Pete Carroll should be more concerned with his running back, especially from the one. <laughs> Johnny Manziel's sore elbow was killing him. Will it also kill the Cleveland Browns this year? 
not sure he's ready to play even before the sore elbow. Ron, apparently you haven't been paying attention. Browns haven't had a pulse for years. <laughs> Our friend Jim McMahon says he knows Bill Belichick is a liar. So do I. Uh, because he, he lied to his face, he says, when he was a backup quarterback in Cleveland. Isn't that another way of saying Bill Belichick is a head coach in the NFL? <laughs> a lot of players would say that. They've all been lied to. <laughs> Jim McMahon's the guy who blew his nose on a reporter. I know because I was there, so consider the source. <laughs> Ouch. The Buffalo Bills have sold over 60,000 season tickets, a club record. Do the people up there know Rex Ryan can't play quarterback? Uh, they thought it was wing night. <laughs> yeah, they do, but so what? Neither can Tyrod Taylor. Patriots President Jonathan Kraft says it's time to curtail the commissioner's power over player discipline. Where was he when Ray Rice and Adrian Peterson were being disciplined? Uh, I would have been more impressed that he said this a year ago. <laughs> he was getting measured for another Super Bowl ring. Retired 49 linebacker Chris Borland told ESPN, quote, if every fan got to play one year, they wouldn't think it's as cool as they do now. What would those fans think instead? What a great minimum salary I make. What would they think? That's the problem, Ron. They don't. Leggy's friend Peyton Manning says he has no feeling in his fingertips and may not get it back. Leggy, isn't that a bad thing for a quarterback? Uh, not if you've thrown 65 touchdowns in a season, apparently. Uh, maybe the NFL should suspend him for deflating them. <laughs> New Cleveland wide receiver Dwayne Bowe claims the Browns will show the NFL how a high-powered offense moves. Has he ever seen the Browns' offense move? It moved from... To Baltimore at one point. <laughs> <laughs> nope, he hasn't, and neither have I. We want to thank Gino Capaletti and Lance Allworth for joining us, Todd Tobias for the history lesson, ESPN's Jeff Legwald and John, the Professor Clayton, for their insights, and Derek Burns for his quick whistle. If you want to hear this or any podcast, go to our website, talkoffamenetwork.com, or Dallas up on iTunes. Otherwise, join us at this time and on this station next week. We'll look for you then. In case you missed it, we're brought to you by MyCleanPC. If your computer is running slowly, just go to MyCleanPC.com for a diagnosis. In just minutes, you can activate MyCleanComputer software to clean out what's slowing down your computer. That's MyCleanPC.com. Hi, Tom Bodette jumping on this online craze of the meme. Or is it mem? Meme? Whatever. You just write something on a picture, share it, then people say it's the funniest thing ever. I'm trying it with my own meme. A pic of me with the words, book a clean, comfortable room for the lowest price of any national chain on motel6.com. Now sit back and watch the likes roll in. Any second now. I'm Tom Bodette for Motel 6, and we'll leave the light on for you. Call Quicken Loans now at 800-QUICKEN to see if you qualify for the government's Home Affordable Refinance Program, or HARP. And for five years in a row now, J.D. Power has ranked Quicken Loans highest in the nation in customer satisfaction. And for the second year in a row, they've also ranked us highest in mortgage servicing. Call 800-QUICKEN or visit quickenloans.com. Visit jdpower.com for award information. Call for cost information and conditions. Equal housing lender, license in all 50 states, and MLSconsumeraccess.org, number 3030.